cover that, what are the major challenges those people face? Mm. So I have a lot of loyal clients. I've been here in Switzerland for 25 years now. I've had my business for 20 years and I work in many different industries. I don't have one specific industry I focus on because this is all about, you know, if you're dealing with another human being, then these are skills are going to be valuable, whether it's virtual or face-to-face. And I work a lot with senior leaders. So I sometimes have HR come to me and say, "Um, can you help us with the senior leader? Because they're pissing everyone off. So sometimes I've got people who are unrecovered predators who either don't know they're a predator which then they're kind of an easy case because once they realize it, usually that's not their intention. Oh my gosh, what do I need to do to change? Correct. Second category of predators are the ones who know that they're predator, except they think the only other option, a way to get things done is by being overly nice, being prey. And once they realize there's this sweet spot of partner where they can maintain the relationship and still get the results and maybe even more so, then they're like, okay, keep talking. I'm interested. There are some people, a very minor category of people who are predators for the sheer joy of it. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yes, I've known a few in my life. Now, even and, and even some of those can be influenced to change their behavior, though there are a few that literally, I think I've only come across one in my life professionally. Okay. Personally, I've probably come up across a few more. So that there literally might be sociopath or some kind of you know impairment in the brain that doesn't allow them to have empathy or care or concern for other human beings so those types are never going to change though that's that's a very microscopic number of people okay um so often senior leaders and then what they find out is oh my gosh this can help my teams so i sometimes i get to work with the 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 highest echelon and then we start moving down and work with different teams and what's interesting so i'm going to quiz you okay um do you think he's he's like wait i'm interviewing you (laughs) do you think uh in the world at large that under pressure more people go predator or more people go prey i I would probably say uh predator (laughs) that's what we think right because and it's not it's not true yeah, okay. When I'm working with groups of people, Sahil, what I see is group after group of group. There's even in countries that come across as very dominant and aggressive, mm. there are more people who showing up as prey under prey. pressure than wow. predator. And here's my belief. I think it's because a predator can only get away with being predator if they have the positional power or the money or something they can blackmail us with. Okay. <laughs> You know, because they they can't sustain it if they don't have the positional power. Okay. The thing is, they make so many of our because they have the positional power, they are capable of making so many of our lives miserable that we think that there are predators everywhere. Which is not the case. Which you know, what I see is is that people tend to go more and and like you said earlier, is that some some of us can flip flop. We might be prey with our boss and predator at home, for example. So one thing I've seen in this period, and I don't talk about uh, pandemic in, my, in the podcast. We keep it always uh, relative to everything which is going on daily basis on business as usual, life as usual. But one thing I've realized is that in this period where people 
and you know, especially organizations have had a need for strong communicators and leaders that have come had to come out and give a message. Uh, they've been struck by the technology and they've been kind of, um, um, the message, kind of 50% of the messages just vanish because of the fact of digital or virtual or um, there's no, uh, you know, that, that human touch as they call it. Now, this is yeah. something we have to get used to because more and more of our business is being run in this way over a screen. Yeah. Do you think that that's just because a lot of people were not prepared uh, or uh, do you think that people have to understand how to communicate with mm. technology better to be understood? I know some people have not even had their screens on when they've been giving strong messages to their associates in the past months. Uh, of, of certain redundancies and certain restructurings. Oh my gosh! Some people haven't even had the screens on. So, how do you how do you tackle that if you have a customer or a client or yeah. comes and says, "What do I do?" I mean, uh, yeah, how do I communicate? Or I li literally gave an eight hour, maybe eight, seven hour class, an all day class on your virtual presence. A client called me up a couple of months ago and said, "Amy, we need this." I said, "Okay, I will organize it." And first of all, I was shocked how much we were able to cover in seven hours and how engaging it stayed for them. Uh, so that it, I think that a lot of them were worried and myself included. Well, I was less worried because I had gone through another similar. You, and there's many ways to engage the people so that they feel part of it and stimulated and accountable. And one of them is keeping the cameras on when it's appropriate, sometimes a larger group, no. Two, believe it or not, especially like when I do a training, I had 12 people in that class, I had them all stay off mute. I said, unless there's a four-legged or a two-legged furry, you know, creature that is making a lot of noise, you know, um, <laughs> keep yourself off mute. Off because mute. mentally that keeps us more engaged. Off Another mute. thing, off mute. I love that. Yeah. So simple, and it really it makes people more accountable. Another thing is like I've made I've rearranged my office so that my camera is facing where well, I've got the light on me. Your setting is fantastic. You've got a beautiful background. You are angled uh, uh, perfectly for the design of your room and the ceiling. You have great light there. You you know everything looks clean and polished. And one thing that um, you did well that I, I would have done differently today if I was thinking about it is just to let me do this raise this computer just a bit because mm -hmm. ideally we want the camera uh, slightly above. Okay. Yeah, so yours is at a good angle. Mine I would have adjusted if I was thinking. And so all all those little things. How does the background look? One time yeah. I was doing an, uh, a video and I had like my suitcase from a, some little trip I was on I'm like Amy <laughs> so yeah, there's all these little things to think about um, that give that professional polished look without perfection so one of the things I work on with I work with a lot of perfectionists and I say so I'm going to help you to enhance your presence virtually and 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 face to face and I'm not and I'm also going to help you recover from mistakes because it's not about being perfect Correct. and then they're kind of they're a little bit nervous like i kind of like being perfect because that makes me feel safer yeah and it's 
a draining to the body and also you're missing the opportunity to, to be to build your trust with the audience because if you look too perfect and too polished they're not going to necessarily necessarily trust it so one other thing i would add is that's the thing about virtual backgrounds correct sometimes it's great because they give this nice polished look and then sometimes it's like what is she hiding correct Does she have her laundry behind that what's going on yeah so i I, my feeling, and I'm also encouraging people because I've got so many of my clients that I had one guy whose 12 year old son walked in and served him an espresso. Here, oh. daddy. I was like, that's friggin' brilliant. Yeah. So I want people I to be it. able to manage when they have family members interrupting yeah. them, children, uh, other things going on, because that's the reality. And that's what people, in a way, want to see. They want to see that you're a real human being. I, I'm grateful that you've mentioned all this because if you, I think even um, the interpersonal communication has changed with this uh, couple of months and perhaps yeah. it just opened up opportunities. But the whole, the, the, the science behind interpersonal communication isn't, hasn't changed. It's still human beings talking to each other and you know, uh, how we react to each other's uh, verbal uh, or, and body language coming you know, yeah. across the screen. But um, one thing that is also uh, on my mind that I want to kind of ask you what, you, you know, what would you advise is what do we expect now? I mean, you know, moving forward, right? Uh, a lot of uh, organizations, a lot of people are wondering if they're ever going to go back to that much of interpersonal connection, right? Or is it going to be remaining 50%, 60% of our business on the screen? Um, and what, what you had got, gave as an advice, you know, to, you know, be, be tidy, but don't be like in a laboratory with yeah. white. Um, do you see that now becoming something that everyone has to just be good at? Because if you're going to be on screen, then you need to, you know, it's just like walking and, you know, um, driving to your office. You know, it, I think so. I really think so. And that's why I want people to be able to show up authentically. Okay. They're, let's call it this way. Their best version of themselves authentically. Yeah. And so that's why the background and the lighting and the equipment and like, you'll probably notice I was using lots of gestures. Well, I'm, yes, I'm making sure that I'm using, I'm not gesturing out no, here. I'm not doing floppy gestures, the frame. right? Yeah. And so, and because I got to have my camera on looking at me to make sure that I'm doing that correctly. Uh, because gestures, as you build your gesture library, <laughs> there's three videos on my website. They can check that out. <laughs> Th that's another way that you show up as having a clear message and concise speech and you sound confident and competent. Interesting. I'm going to go away from this now. And uh, within the frame, obviously. <laughs> Can you name three people who have been the most inspirational in your life? Mm. Who are those three? Yeah, well, my sister, Pat, who I mentioned. Okay. Um, you know, she's brought this work to the world, and I'm forever grateful. Um, let's see. Uh, I, the other two people would have to be my parents. You know, they're just... 
my mother was a teacher. My father worked in nonprofit and in, he was a director of an organization, networking organization called YPO, Young Presidents Organization. So he exposed all of us to the world because he literally traveled around the world wow. meeting amazing human beings and bringing Japanese dolls back and Beautiful. African dolls back. And my mother, when I was eight years old, she took a job as an inner city school teacher in the Bronx okay. in a very tough neighborhood. And I was growing up in a white suburb and had all the privilege of being white that went with that. And, and so she would bring me to school with her and uh, the joy that gave me to be able to see different cultures and meet these yeah. kids. And <laughs> so, yeah, they've both been very inspirational as well. <laughs> wow. Um, it's, it's interesting when I ask this question and uh, I mean, so far, I think everyone uh, has mentioned family most dominantly. A lot of people with your success also thank the families behind them that, that, that have been such a great inspiration. And I think that's a great uh, place to always look for inspiration we don't have to go out and look for it on a billboard or in a in a movie or you know uh yeah i think that's where inspiration starts in the family yeah. so this was a tough one because i always like to know uh what's the biggest failure you've you've been through and so what would you remember as the biggest most the one most biggest failure in your life so far and what did you learn from it oh and I say failure in a way that, you know, I just want to emphasize it. That yeah. It's great to fail, but, you know. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny. I remember someone saying, often our failures are things that we regret that we didn't do. And that's true for me. Um, I, it's going to seem so superficial. And yet it was such a big one for years. I, in ninth grade, I had the chance to either... Uh, to join the gymnastics team <laughs> okay. or take a part-time job. And I took the part-time job. Now, every, all the wonderful things that brought me, you know, it's fantastic though. I remember the gym teacher saying, the gymnastics teacher saying, no, sorry, Amy, we, you have to be here full time. And so I, I gave up on that. And that was always something that I regretted. I'm wishing I had um, been able to do that as well. Cause I felt like, the importance of um, physical agility and fitness and health are such an important part of my life now that I don't wish I had started at an earlier age than I did. Okay. That's, uh, that, I mean, failures can, can you know, be different, but I think uh, my question would be now, um, did they pay you well in the part-time job? <laughs> yes, she was, <laughs> it was a, it was my, it was a wonderful job working at a, a fabric store. And yes, okay. it, it set me straight. Awesome. That, you know, see, and again, that's important because if you've, uh, if you've learned that by failing and not taking the gymnastic class, <laughs> you make money, that's just, just fine. Yeah. Somewhere in your book, you mentioned, uh, there's a statement saying uh, dot, 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 and then say yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Oh, you've just touched on one of my favorite <laughs> things in the whole world, which is improv, improvisational theater. Do you know what that is? Yes, yes. It, it makes me so happy. And I get, I get to be, I'm in two improv troops, one in French, really? which is 
interesting because my French is questionable. <laughs> and one with a group of English speaking scientists who are millennials and me. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, it gives me so much joy. And so say yes is one of the guiding principles of improvisational theater. Okay. So if I go on stage and I'm performing with somebody and they say, oh, grandma, is your hip hurting? And I look, I go, I don't know who you are. It, well, that could be, that could be a block. That could be me saying no. Now, if my improviser is skilled, he would turn to the other improviser and say, oh, her Alzheimer's kicking in again. You know, so so he would, what he's just done was he's taken my offer to say, I don't know you. And he's flipped it around and justified it. And he, so he accepted my offer of pretending not to know him. So even though I blocked him, he overrode it and accepted my offer. And so then the scene can advance. And it's the same thing in life. Many of us are, our muscles of saying no are overdeveloped. So it's really about paying attention. And like in the book, I talk about an old man on the train saying something to me in German. And I'm like, oh man, what did I do wrong? And I, I blocked him by saying, oh, no, don't speak German. <laughs> and he hears my accent. He changes into English because the Swiss are so gifted with languages. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, can I help you with your suitcase? Wow. So, so he, this guy yeah, was not telling yeah. me I'd run over somebody's dog. I, you know, he was wanting to help me with my suitcase. Yeah. And I was just about to say, oh, no, thank you. It's not heavy. And then I realized, oh, my God, I'm going to block him again. And I stopped myself. I said, oh, yes, that would be lovely. Thank you. And he gets off the train. It's not even his stop. He gets out of his seat. He gets off the train. He takes my suitcase. He puts it on the ground. And then he extends his hand, you know, and I stepped off wow. the train. And it was like a, a scene out of a, a romantic movie. It was the sweetest thing in the world. <laughs> and it left me high for hours. And, I, and luckily, I was just thrilled because I remembered to accept the offer. And it's just as simple as that, right? I mean, you could have just said, uh, you can't speak. I mean, sorry, I, I don't know what you're saying and just continued. And we see that a lot in our lives that by not being, um, not only curious, but by just not accepting, right? Yeah. And just to, to something that you maybe are very foreign to or you don't understand or you don't want to kind of uh, accept. Yeah. You might lose an opportunity and uh, you might just uh, lose an opportunity of connecting with, a, with another. So true. Right. Like, like when I had the chance to meet you, I, I hadn't even seen, you know, you in action yet. And I was like, absolutely say yes, Amy. In fact, so yeah, my friends get worried. The times when I say no, they're like, what's wrong? Mm. Something's wrong. Because they're so accustomed to me saying yes to things. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, and that's where that's that's what I think change happens, right? Uh, that when we accept things and not just uh, bluntly say no because we're not really. Um, first of all, sometimes we say no because we're not sure of what what's waiting, right? But that itself blocks a lot of opportunities and also exactly. possibilities. So I'm happy you said yes. <laughs> and yeah, me too. I'm sure we're going to have more of this in the in the future to come. <laughs> now. There's a lot people can do to uh, better or to uh, you know kind of polish their skills in interpersonal relationship, 
But if you would categorize, right? If somebody uh, says, but you know, what, what should I, what should I, you know, fix first? I, I, I can talk, I can walk, I can, you know, I can, uh, I have a good body yeah. language. But what is the first thing I should think of when I open my mouth? Just as simple as that, you know. Um, yeah. And sometimes we open and say things without mm. putting a lot of thought behind it because we want to be impulsive. We're impulsive. Right. Some people are not. Some people are. But regardless if you are or you're not, what is the first thing a person has to think mm. before they even? Yeah. So the question is, what is the first thing people should think about before they say anything else? Correct. Yeah. I would say, oh, well, yeah, that's that. What? just check with the person you heard what they said. Just, um, just like I did there, you know, just align with them. So, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it, I call it active listening. Everyone knows it, right? Just making sure you've heard the person, and and that's great, especially if it's un, if there's any kind of conflict or resistance. If we're in disagreement, I by slowing down the process, I'm slowing down. The whole process, I'm slowing down my thinking. I'm physiologically calming myself down by not jumping and reacting and responding too quickly. And there's this great quote, I think maybe my sister said it. She said, It's hard to fight in slow motion. Mm -hmm. So just by me taking a moment to reflect what you said, then I'm one, it's going to, one, I'm checking to make sure I understood you. Two, you, maybe you're checking, no, that's not what I meant. You can correct yourself. And three, if you're upset with me, it feels very, um, it's like a form of empathy when you hear, just even hear your words fed back to you. So I would say slowing down any exchange, especially if it's um, delicate or difficult, is going to be the, one of the best things you can do. I think that's beautiful, beautifully said. I think sometimes we don't really listen to what's been said and we just have to uh, kind of uh, counter uh, communicate just for the sake of having, a, of having yeah. a saying or a point. So thanks for that insight. And, you know, we're reaching a slightly uh, the first you know, end of the first podcast. I'm sure there are going to be many more with you. And it's, <laughs> it's very difficult to fit everything in one podcast with you. I'm sure right. all of it, personal communication is so vast and so important is nothing can substitute communication and interpersonal communication but if i would ask you to be in my shoes today mm -hmm. pretend you're me and is there a question that you would like to ask yourself that i didn't oh uh well, we talked about what respect we talked about um oh i would ask gee amy if there was one word you were to remove from your vocabulary what would it be Okay, so if there's one word you would like to remove from your vocabulary, oh, what would it be? Well, so he'll, gosh, you practically read my mind. Um, <laughs> I would say the word but, B-U-T. Ah, okay. It, it, un, it just creates conflict unintentionally. Without even, you know, going further. <laughs> I, and newsletter number four, I explain all the options people have for replacing but with what they can replace it with. So it's, it won't be tragic when, the, when the, they no longer have that word in their vocabulary. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I've, uh, I've, I've not talk, taken it out fully, but uh, I can say that, yes, 
just by saying it, by thinking it, it's already negative. <laughs> right. Just, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, Amy, it's been an amazing uh, opportunity and it's been a privilege to have you on the podcast today. Um, we, we're going to, you know, we're going to uh, connect with you again, if you permit us and you have time for us. Absolutely. But, I just said, but. The cat! Oh my God, that was so fast! Congratulations! And I'm not going to say however because it's going to replace but. But um, that's but's first cousin. Yeah, right. uh, how about and? And they're relatives. And listeners, viewers would like to connect further with you. Where do they go? Where can they find you? Mm. So all my social media channels are Amy Carol Coaching, and that's Carol with two R's and two L's. And my website is carolcoaching.com. And that's on the website where they, if they go to resources, they can get all the videos and podcasts and newsletters. Awesome. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I look forward to connecting with you again very soon. Uh, this is Coach Pedari uh, in partnership with Ivy Coaches from Dubai. Uh, we've connected with a lovely uh, communication coach, Amy Carroll from the Cal Communication Coaching um, in Switzerland. Um, have a fantastic afternoon and evening, wherever you are, guys, or morning. Uh, Amy, I'll leave the last words to you. Uh, what do I like to tell people? Um, oh, uh, be the best partner you can be. Easy as that. And with that, we wish everyone a fantastic, fantastic rest of the week. Thank you so much, and see you soon again. Bye, everyone.